Hope you had a good Christmas preparing for the new year. Um, excited about today and, and really excited about what I uh, believe God has in store for us in the new year. I, I really believe that there's a lot of really awesome things coming and, and excited about that. We've been talking lately in our messages really about preparing, getting ready, uh, preparing our hearts for what God wants to do, which is something we should really do all the time, uh, being in, in a attitude of prayer and, and, and really seeking after God, pressing into God, allowing God to speak to us and lead us. And, uh, but I've sensed really that we've been in sort of a season where God is preparing for what's to come. Um, and so today I want to talk to you about something that I feel like is really, really important all the time. But even now as we are going into a new year, something that um, we all need to understand and be mindful of. And and that is the power of God's Word, especially the way that God's Word is empowered by the Holy Spirit um, uh, in our life. And so we're going to start this in Psalm 119. If you have a Bible, a phone, whatever, you want to go to Psalm 119, then we're going to jump to John chapter 1 and read a few verses out of John, uh, the Gospel of John. And so Psalm 119, verse 105, we're just going to read this one verse. It says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Now let's jump over to John chapter 1. I'm going to read 13 verses here uh, and then go to chapter 8. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so in this, John um, is saying that you know, Jesus is the fullness of God's Word. He's the fullness of God and the fullness of God's Word. He says, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life, listen to this, that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And then John chapter 8, one verse just verse 12, says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All right, let's pray and we'll get into this. Lord, I, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for all the promises, God, that are in your word. I, I'm thankful today, God, that your word is truth. God, that in a world that tries to define truth by opinion, God, I'm thankful that we can read and know your truth. So I pray now, Lord, that the eyes of our hearts would be opened. I pray that, God, uh, the Spirit would come and give us greater wisdom and understanding into who you are and what you've done and why we exist. God, teach us to stand on your word and to draw strength and courage 
to tear down the kingdom of darkness through the authority of your word. Lord, we love you and are just thankful that you're here. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, haven't noticed we've got some kiddos in here with us today. And I'm going to try to keep the sermon to about an hour, 15 minutes, because I know that's what you parents would love with your eight-year-old sitting next to you. So anyway, I figure we got kids here. So I was going to ask, I figure we might as well get them involved a little bit. So I need a couple of volunteers, only two. If we get more than two, we're going to send some back. So that was really awkward at nine. I just want to clarify that now. Um, but who wants to volunteer? Who wants to be a part of the message? Two volunteers. All right, over here's one. Oh. <laughs> All right, who else? Who else? All right, come on up here. Come on up. All right, so we got two. Everybody give them a hand as they come up. We're excited about this. This is a huge step of faith. And so, all right, well, how you doing? You doing good? You a little nervous? A little bit? Yeah, now you know how I feel every Sunday. So here, you want to tell everybody your name? Leah. Leah, awesome. Michaela. Michaela, all right. Well, Leah and Michaela, what we're going to do is we're going to play a little game, okay? And, and. In just a second, I'm going to take that mic stand, and I'm going to put it somewhere out here in this room. And we're going to have a race to see who can get there first. That sound good? And not only are we going to race to have a winner, but the winner gets money. Now who wants to volunteer? Huh? All right. All right. So how much money do you think I got? Well, all right. She said five. She got it. Um, are you a prophet? So anyway. All right. So I'm going to hide or not hide. I'm going to place the mic stand somewhere in this room. And you guys are going to race to it. Whoever gets there first wins the five dollars. You can take your family to lunch, right? Dollar menu at McDonald's. And so here's the thing, though. We've got a little, little twist to it. Have this slightly used handkerchief. It's, no, I'm kidding. It's new. It's not slightly used. And one of you is going to be blindfolded. Who wants to be blindfolded? Okay, I'm glad you volunteered. Thank you. All right, I figured you're the oldest, you know. I mean, you got to take one for a team, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, I'm going to blindfold you, and then I'm going to move the mic stand somewhere in here, and y'all are going to race to get to it, okay? All right. Look, I'm not going to put it on the edge of the stage, so don't go that way, all right? All right, so anyway, hold on. Excuse me for just a moment. you can't see you wouldn't mind church would you 
Okay, just making sure. All right. You said how many fingers? That's pretty smart. How many fingers are we holding up? Okay, she can't see. Or either you're just lying again. And so, all right. So now I'm going to go move the mic stand somewhere. I'll come back, and then we'll have a little countdown, and y'all can go get the mic stand, okay? All right, so excuse me for just one moment. A little background music would be good, but I didn't plan that far ahead, so... Floor's creaking. That's great, isn't it? That's expensive. Don't want to put it there. This thing creaks everywhere I go. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. All right, so on the count of three, we're going to have a race. We're going to see who gets there first. The winner gets $5. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Go to the mic stand. You got to get there. Got to hurry. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Well, no, 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 don't take it off. Don't take it off. Don't take it off. No, no, no. Did you see where it's at? You saw where it's at, didn't you? Michaela, this is number three. Three strikes and you're out. All right, come back over here then. Come on. All right. So here's the thing. Let me give you your $5, Leah. Thank you for playing. You can go back down there now. Thank you. Everybody give Leah a hand again. Awesome, Leah. All right, so I'm going to hide the mic stand one more time. If you can find it, I'm going to give you $5, okay? But to help you because you are blindfolded and you can't see where you're going, be helpful if someone guided you wouldn't it okay so we'll do that so give me just a second and we're gonna move this thing one more time somewhere in the room okay all right all right Michaela go get it All right, my cat, let's take off the blindfold. What are you doing? The mic stands up here. Huh? Michaela, thank you for playing. You don't get anything, but thank you for playing. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. In the spirit of participation trophies, here's $5. Thank you. So anyway... I wanted to do that little illustration just, just because I think it really points out a, something that's very important in life. Um, and, and honestly, I feel like even as Christians and certainly those who are not followers of Christ or believers, we see this. But so much of our life and, and, and 
in the world is really lived like we're blindfolded. It's, it's, being, it's lived in darkness. It's, it's lived kind of just trying to feel our way through and hoping for the best, um, but, but stumbling and fumbling and even causing a lot of pain in our life because we're walking in darkness. We can't see where we're going. Um, and, and then even when something comes along that seems to promise to get us to where we want to be or think we should be, We'll grab its hand and let it lead us somewhere. But how many times, and you know this in life, if you've lived very long at all, that you grab hold of something that seems promising, but when sort of the blinders come off, you're not really where you thought you were going to end up. What seemed so promising ended up not being for you what you thought it was going to be. And in the world, when we're walking in darkness and we're just sort of fumbling around, something comes by, we'll fall for just about anything that, that comes along to lead us. And that's a huge issue because one of the things that happens in life is if we've got to realize this, is we're not going to wake up in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, some of you are like, 90, and you're not going to wake, never mind, that's a bad example. But anyway, when, when we get 20, 30, 40 years, five years, one year down the road, we're not just going to wake up one day and, and, and realize like, okay, I fulfilled God's purposes, I've served God. It's not just going to happen without being intentional. It's not going to happen just by kind of going through the motions of life. Because the world and the system in the world and the system that Satan has created around us and that, that exists around us is not going to naturally lead us to the things of God. What, what's going to lead us to God is God. Um, Jesus following him. John 8, 12 tells us that he's the way to life, that those who follow him will find life. Uh, you know, uh, and so we've got to really see this and understand this, that there has to be an intentionality in following God. There has to be an intentionality in trusting him to lead us in life. One of the challenges, though, for us, and I realize this as a pastor as much as anything, because one, I see it in my own life. Two, I see it in the lives of other people. Most of our understanding of God's word, which is his chief means of guiding us in life as the Holy Spirit illuminates his word, most of what we hear, study, read, whatever of God's word, it stays disconnected from life. It's not integrated into life. It's not brought into our life where it is guiding and, and as Psalm 119.105 says, that it becomes a lamp unto our feet. It's something that's kind of over here while I live my life, and I may have a study time, I may go to church and hear a message, but the realization I came to a long time ago is that the majority of people who come in and out of church, they come in maybe not consciously, but at least subconsciously knowing I'm not going to do what I hear. I'm not going to apply what I hear. And so we've got to recognize this and understand this because God promises in, in Psalm 119, he promises throughout scripture that he will guide us, that his word will be a lamp unto our feet. And we need to see that if we're gonna follow, if we're gonna have direction, if we're gonna have purpose, if we're gonna uh, intentionally follow God, it's gonna be as he illuminates the steps before us and we continue going out after him 
when we look at John chapter 1, I love John 1, and there's a lot in here that we can't talk about. But the thing I want to point out is that several times John mentions that Jesus is the light. He's the light that came into darkness. He tells us that he's, Jesus is the word made flesh. We know that Jesus teaches us that he's the way, the truth, and the life. We know that the truth sets us free. And so when we think about Jesus, we see in Christ the light who came into the world to, to illuminate, to reveal. We see in Jesus the fullness of God's word, what God has been saying to us all along in scripture we see the most clearly in Christ we see that through Jesus he came to clarify all that had been distorted um, by sin and and the darkness to illuminate the darkness that came into the world through sin and I've told you this a lot in the past but I want you to really hear this again that there's five things specifically that Jesus came to illuminate to clarify for us the first one is he came to clarify who is God. He came to show us who God is, what is his character and nature. It's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1.3 that Jesus is the express image of God. You want to know what God is like? Look to Jesus. Read the Gospels. See who Jesus is. We also have to gain clarity on who we are apart from him, that we're sinful we're not like Jesus. Jesus is perfect humanity. We're not like him. We realize Romans 3.23 is true that all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. We don't stop there. We also gain clarity on what God has done, which is the cross. He made a way for our sins to be forgiven, for us to come into a right relationship with God once again, a relationship that was broken by sin. Jesus came and revealed God's plan to reconcile, to make right what was broken. The fourth thing we see and gain clarity on is who we are in Christ. We begin to realize that though I am sinful by nature, though I've sinned and I've rebelled against God, Jesus went to the cross. He gave me righteousness, took my unrighteousness, and now I've become the righteousness of God in Christ. So even when I stumble and even when I fall, the truth is, according to God's word, according to God's plan, that I am still the righteousness of Christ, that I don't have to wallow in sin and shame and guilt and condemnation, but I can get up and come back to God in repentance and know that in him and through Christ, I can come boldly before his throne of grace. And so we see those things, who God is, who I am apart from him, what God's done to make me right with him, and then who I've become, and it doesn't stop there. The fifth thing I see is my purpose on earth. Jesus came to reveal our purpose. What is his purpose? Why did he come to reconcile, to make right the world with God, to make right all that's been wronged by sin and darkness? And so he came to reveal this purpose that began in Genesis 1.28, that the earth would be filled with the image and the glory of God, that all the earth would proclaim his greatness and, and would adore him and praise him and, and for God that, that he's reconciled with his creation that he loves. And so he shows us and Jesus gives us back the ability to fulfill that. So who God is, who I am apart from him, what he's done, who I've become and my purpose here on earth, God has revealed that to us through his word, through Jesus. 
We know that Jesus is the light. He illuminates the path. He tells us that if we follow Christ, it will have life. But so many of us, we just stumble around in darkness, just sort of groveling, trying to find life. The truth is that life is only found in Christ when we do come to some type of understanding Typically, we separate that understanding from life. We wonder why we're tossed to and fro and led around by all different kinds of things. Jesus in Matthew, he tells us that the one who hears his word and does it is like a man who dug deep and built his house on a rock. He says the winds and the rains, the storm basically comes, and he says it didn't fall, it stood firm. He also says that the one who hears his word and doesn't do it. He's like one who built his house on sand. The wind, the rain, the storm comes and it falls with a great crash. See, it's not just hearing or just knowing. It's implementing. It's integrating his word. It's, it's really grabbing hold of it as it grabs hold of us and applying it. So the first thing we've got to see is that God has revealed truth. Specifically, he's revealed truth through Jesus. The second thing I want you to see is how we come to an understanding of that truth. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writing to the Ephesians, he, he writes out a prayer for them. And he prays that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. He prays that their understanding, that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and understanding. What's he doing? He's praying that the Holy Spirit would continue to reveal the truth about God, that they would see the greatness of what Jesus has done for them, that they would see the greatness of the hope they have in what's to come, that they would understand the power of the resurrection that resides in them. And so we see that it's the Holy Spirit who begins to illuminate not just the person of Christ, but all that he embodies. He begins to reveal to us. If you look at John chapter 16, real quick. John chapter 16, verse 7. It says this, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is right before he's going to the cross. He says this to them, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. I was reading this verse, it's been a long time ago now. Um, in fact, I, I, was, I had uh, my iPhone on iTunes and it was on shuffle and one of these old messages, this is literally all from about 10 years ago when I was talking about the Holy Spirit in a message when we first started the church. When it was on shuffle, that message came up. And uh, I, I started listening to it. I, I couldn't listen long. But um, I listened to some of it, and I actually referenced this verse. So I know it's been a long time ago that I, I had this thought. But I read this verse several years ago, and... Um, I thought about it. I was like, you know, Jesus says it's good for me that I, that I go, or good for you that I go away. 
I'm like, what could be better than Jesus beside me? How could it get any better than Jesus walking beside me? How could that be good? And then it was almost instantaneously that it hit me that what's better than Jesus walking beside me is Jesus living inside me. That he's living in me. He's not just beside me. He's living in me. And it's vital, guys, that we get this, that the person of the Holy Spirit is just that. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And a personal relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, is essential to our life in Christ. But we've shot away from him. And, and, and for some good reason, I mean, we've seen a lot of crazy, flaky stuff done in the name of the Holy Spirit. A lot of things that, that aren't biblical that were done in the name of the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you with this, that we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we have got to have the power of the Spirit. One of the greatest functions of the Holy Spirit, I, wanna, I want you to see this in John chapter 14, if you just back up a couple of verses. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. What's he telling us? He's saying, look, yes, I am going to go away. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send back another. And when he says another, he, it literally means one exactly like me. Not me, but one exactly like me. He says, you know him because he lives with you and he will live in you. And he tells us specifically that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. One of the greatest functions of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit illuminates, the Holy Spirit reveals truth in our life. As we spend time with God in scripture, we hear the word proclaimed, we the Holy Spirit will enlighten us. He will begin to open the eyes of our hearts and our minds so that we can begin to grasp the truth of God's word so that then we can actually apply it so it actually becomes a lamp unto my feet so I don't stumble around in darkness hoping somehow that I can find life so that I'm not just led by everything that comes along that seems to promise life but that I actually think about it. And when I get in a situation I go back to God's word and I think about what does God's word say? What is the truth? Everything around me is telling me to do this, but I know that the truth is that and I'm not going to cave. I'm not going to give in because I know that the truth is in Jesus, that I follow Jesus by following the truth and that Jesus leads me to life. So we, we see this. The Holy Spirit illuminates truth. He gives me understanding. We can't even say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So even the beginning of our faith is because the Spirit opened our eyes to see the truth of Jesus. 
personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, God, is vital. John 16, 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear, now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, in John 14 and John 16, Jesus is specifically speaking to the 12, to the apostles. And some of this is him speaking to them that the Spirit is going to give them the wisdom, the revelation to be able to write the Scripture now that we hold in our hands. But we have to understand that the Spirit today still illuminates and gives revelation about what God has already revealed. So how do I know the truth? I want to kind of bring this together. How do I know the truth? The Holy Spirit illuminates or reveals the truth of Jesus through God's word. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth who is Christ through God's word who is Christ. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth. How? How does it happen? One of the ways it happens is through your own time with God. Through your own time with God, not just to read, to read or whatever, but God, I'm spending time with you. Open my eyes to the truth. Open my eyes to see more of who you are, who I am apart from you, what you've done through Jesus on the cross, who I've become and why I exist on this earth. Help me to see you, God. Help me to understand. Open the eyes of my heart. You may want to go to Ephesians 1 before you read the word, before you hear a message. God, open the eyes of my heart. Send your spirit fresh into me to open the eyes of my heart, to give me understanding, to give me this spirit of wisdom and revelation that I can know you more. I can see my purpose more clearly. I can have uh, my path illuminated by your word. It happens through our time with God. I can think specifically of two times that, that came to mind as I was praying through this. One, I can tell you exactly where I was. Um, I was on Highway 80. How many of you know where Sparker is, the convenience store? Sparker? How genius is that? Let's be honest. Take the S off of Parker's, put it in front of the P, save hundreds on a sign, right? And hey, awesome. And, and so I was coming by Sparker, and uh, I was thinking specifically about the scripture that talks about in John where Jesus changed the water into wine. And, and I'm just thinking about that. I don't even know how it got on my heart specifically, but I was thinking about it and I was like, God, I, I, I'm having some trouble with this. I, I feel like there's a deeper meaning than Jesus just changing water to wine and everybody getting toasted, right? I don't think that was the point of what he did. I don't think it was just everybody, you know, having a good time and Jesus doing, just doing a miracle. And, and I really felt it impressed on my heart to just cut the radio off and listen. And I'm pondering the scripture. I'd read it, you know, not long ago. I'm thinking about it. And all of a sudden, I started seeing it. It started becoming more clear to me. I realized that the water that Jesus turned to wine was in ceremonial washing jars. I realized that Jesus was really telling them, look, here's what's going to happen. 
The way you've been trying to cleanse yourself with this water, it hasn't worked. But what I'm about to do, and this wine is going to be representative of my blood. And what I'm going to do, the sacrifice I'm going to make for you, is what's really going to cleanse you. And this wine is going to represent my blood. One day when you take communion, you'll understand this. But he's saying, look, the way you've tried to clean yourself up, it hasn't worked. But what I'm going to do, it's going to be effective. It's going to take, take your sin and make you clean. I started realizing, he said, look, uh, the, the, we saved the best, or they, he saved the best for last. All the law and all the things that had come before couldn't do what God had in mind. So in Christ, the best had come, and now he's working out his plan. And as God began to show me all of this, it was incredible. And I want to tell you something that's powerful, is when the living God begins to speak to your heart, he becomes alive to you. And that's important. He's not a dead, dumb, mute idol. He's the living God who speaks to the living and so he begins to speak another time when we were living in Waynesboro, and nobody goes to this church that lived in Waynesboro because I ran them off a long time ago. But you know some of my stories about Waynesboro. Well, one night I'm, I'm, I'm in the recliner and I'm reading my Bible. I came across a passage that I just didn't quite, I couldn't quite grasp it. I couldn't see it in the, what I was reading. And I remember I just stopped and I, I, I just closed my eyes and I just got quiet. And I said, God, just show me. Show me what this means. Help me to understand. And as I sat there, guys, it's not like there was a cloud that parted or, you know, the Shekinah glory of God fell in the room. It's just like understanding began to come. And what is that? It's the Holy Spirit revealing truth. It's the Holy Spirit teaching us truth, revealing the truth about Jesus, and illuminating a path. So we grow and the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth of God's word through our time with God. Other resources, like uh, just one example would be the Right Now Media thing we, we, we have given to the church. And you can go to the website, you can get on there. There's thousands of people teaching God's word. But as we hear God's word through a message, through preaching, through teaching, through some resource, God, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. We also... Have the Holy Spirit illuminate God's truth in our life through other people as we have conversations with them. They're showing us or telling us what God's showing them in the word and, and we're just bouncing it off of each other. We begin to see and, and begin to come alive and the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate things in our heart that we, maybe we've never understood or seen or that was just fuzzy and now it becomes clear and in focus. So the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth of God's word to illuminate our path, to illuminate who he is, who we are apart from Christ, what he's done, who we've become, and our purpose for existence. So how do I apply the truth? I want to finish with this. How do I apply the truth? First thing is realizing that the Holy Spirit does teach us the truth. And see, when the Holy Spirit teaches us truth and we gain understanding and the Holy Spirit gives us insight, our mind will begin to be renewed. 
Our mind begins to be renewed. Think about what happens when your mind is renewed. When your mind is renewed, you begin to think differently. Our thoughts, our thought process determines our decisions. So if our thought process changes, we think differently, we're going to make different decisions. When I make different decisions, I live differently. It's, it's how our lives are literally transformed is that salvation, God gives me a new heart that desires more of him, but it's through his word and the Holy Spirit illuminating truth to us, speaking truth into our heart and mind that we are transformed. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, he said, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And so our minds renewed, we think different, we make different decisions. My life is different, all empowered by the Holy Spirit. But understand, guys, this, because this is an issue in the church. Biblical knowledge, apart from a renewed mind, is still darkness. Nothing's changed. You can know all the Bible you want. You can exegete everything you want to exegete. Y'all, none of y'all even know what that means. See, it's pointless. But unless it leads to a renewed mind because the Holy Spirit is revealing, opening the eyes of your heart, giving you a wisdom of uh, revelation, giving you understanding that then begins to renew your mind so your thoughts change, your decisions change, your life changes, it's not accomplishing much. So the Holy Spirit teaches us truth to renew our mind. He reveals, guys, I'm telling you, and I know this because God promises this, that if we'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. If we'll seek him, he's going to be found. If you will, if you'll just ask God, if you will get in his word, if you'll meet with people who are, are pursuing Jesus, God will speak to your heart. He's a living God. The second thing we do, one, the Holy Spirit teaches us the truth so our mind is renewed. The Holy Spirit empowers that so that our life changes, is transformed. The second thing is that the Holy Spirit secures us in the truth. Paul in Ephesians 6, the famous passages about the armor of God, Several times he mentions stand firm or stand, or when you've done all, stand. Now, what's he saying? He's saying stand in the truth. This is a church who's being persecuted, who's got all kinds of pressure. And he's saying, listen, put on the truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. He's saying stand in the truth. Stand as one who is ready with the good news of the truth. Don't back down. Don't be swayed. He's saying stand firm in what you know is true. Be secure in that. Be buckled into that. Don't give in to what others may think or say or want or lead you to try to do. Don't give in to the, the world's patterns and ways, but stand firm in the truth, knowing that it is the truth that sets you free. It is the truth that leads you in the way of Christ, and it's the way of Christ that leads you to life. Stand firm. And there's so many times, listen, it's not always easy, but, but war never is. A battle's never easy. And that's what we're in. 
we know in our heart because of the Spirit that God's Word is the truth, the big T truth, not an experiential truth. And I'm going to hold to it. I'm going to stand firm in it. So the Holy Spirit teaches us truth, renews our mind, gives us a renewed life. The Holy Spirit secures us in the truth. We can stand firm in the Word. And the Holy Spirit, the last one, is the Holy Spirit empowers us with the truth. He teaches us the truth in renewing our mind. He secures us in the truth so we can stand firm. And he empowers us with the truth so we can move forward. Advancing the kingdom. A couple of weeks ago, I told a story about when I played at Georgia Southern. And I talked about in baseball. And I talked about how on those early morning practices on Saturdays, I'd get there and I'd feel like my arms weighed 100 pounds and, and I just didn't feel like practicing. I didn't feel like swinging the bat. And I talked about how I would just get the bat and I'd just start swinging just as hard as I could, just as many times as I could. And what I found is after a while, you know, the blood began to flow through. I began to feel better. I started feeling more alive. And, but I just had to keep swinging. And, you know, if I just went up there, there's no way I'm going to succeed because I'm just kind of going through the motions, just lethargic, just kind of, yeah, whatever. And I told you, as a church, we've got to keep swinging. Got to keep hacking against this kingdom of darkness, knowing that if we'll keep swinging, that God is going to be faithful to do everything he's promised. That if we keep swinging, that not even the gates of Hades can come against the church. We just keep swinging. What are we swinging? We're swinging the truth. Ephesians 6 also says that we have to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We take the sword, we take this word, we take all the promises. Listen, I thought about like writing out promises and giving them to you, but they're right here. We've got more access to information than we've ever had. The problem isn't not knowing or having the information. The problem is seeking it out. This book is full of promises that we swing. I feel isolated. I feel alone. I feel like God's distant. No, he's not because he's promised. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Full of promises. I'm no good. I'm condemned. That message wasn't good. Or, man, I did that. I'm never going to get beyond that. Even though it happened 20 years ago, I can't move on. Even though I've come to faith in Christ, I can't move on. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. So I cling to that. I hold to that. And when Satan comes with a lie, I come back with the truth. But I've got to know it. The Holy Spirit has to illuminate it. So I swing. He throws a lie. I swing. I hit him with the truth. Jesus, those famous I guess example of this is Jesus in the desert and the temptation. Satan begins to tempt him. What does Jesus do? He comes back with the word. What does Satan do? He left him until an opportune time. What does the Bible tell us? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we resist? Through the truth of God's word. How do we know the truth? The Holy Spirit illuminates it. When does he illuminate it? When I'm in it. It's important. It's imperative. 
How do I swing it? Through prayer. Through worship. Declaring the truth. There's something powerful about declaring the truth over your life. I'm not telling you you got to be in Walmart and be like, I'm more than a conqueror. But I'm telling you, wherever you are, the truth is the truth. And whatever you're going through, listen, I'm feeling fearful. Boy, anxiety is kicking my tail. But I know this, that God didn't give me a spirit of fear. He gave me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Satan, go back to hell because you're not going to have your way with me today. You stand and you fight. Does it mean that it just, oh, no. He's a stubborn enemy. He's going to come and come back and come again. But guess what? I'm going to stand, I'm going to fight, and I'm going to keep swinging. And then before long, you see that the truth begins to set you free. I don't know, I just wanted to encourage you with that today as we prepare going forward, knowing the word. Listen, not settling for what experience tells us, not letting experience and circumstance define what is true about God, about me, about my purpose, but standing firm in the truth and declaring it until the truth begins to determine my experience. It's a huge difference. Is experience going to tell me what's true or is God's word going to tell me what's true? We'll wander in darkness. We'll be led by everything that comes along until we grab hold of God's truth. The Holy Spirit illuminates and in our heart and in our mind, we stand firm in it. We swing it, fighting the lies and the deception of the enemy. I want to encourage you with that. Listen, it's something I need to do more in my life. I've done better at it at times. It's so easy to get busy and get distracted and, man, all of a sudden, your life begins to be separated from the truth. I want to encourage you today, stand firm. Spend time with God. Let the living God speak to your heart. My prayer for us is the same prayer. I, I just want to read it real quick. It's the prayer in Ephesians 1. Paul says this, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, the hope, the hope, the hope, to which he has called you, the riches of his, in, his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also 
in the one to come. That's my prayer for us this morning. Why don't we stand before we're dismissed? God, I, I do thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we need you. Fill us again, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and enlighten. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Lord, I'm thankful that you're a living God who speaks. A living God who saves. A living God who heals. A living God who empowers. Lord, do that in our life. We love you, God. Thank you for, we worship you for your character and nature, who you are, God, what you've done for us sinners and making a way for us to come to you, God. Now, compel us to our purpose, filling this earth with your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Hope your new year comes in in a great way. We're going to give our offering as we leave as part of our worship. God bless you.